Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. I'm Sam Howlett and this week we're damn well wedded to the light as the star and the director of The Lighthouse, Willem Dafoe and Robert Eggers spill their beans. Following the success of sleeper hit horror film The Witch, many eyes were on Robert Eggers to see what he'd do next. For his sophomore effort, Eggers has stayed in the world of period folklore horror, turning his beam to a remote New England lighthouse in the 1890s. Robert Pattinson plays Thomas Howard, a young apprentice sent to work for a lighthouse keeper, played by William Defoe, on a desolate, deserted and constantly foggy island far removed from any sense of reality. As tensions arise between the two men, the boundaries between fantasy and reality begin to crumble. Shot in stark black and white, the lighthouse is a true original, something that has to be seen to be believed. During the London Film Festival, I was lucky enough to speak to the great Willem Dafoe, which you'll hear first, and one of the most interesting directors working today, Robert Eggers. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, we're delighted to welcome Willem Dafoe to the Curzon Podcast. Hey. Thanks for joining us. So uh, we're here to talk about The Lighthouse, of course. Uh, do you want to start by telling us about when you first heard about the film from the director, Robert Eggers, and what his kind of pitch to you was, how he explained the film to you? He didn't need much of a pitch because mm. I had seen The Witch mm-hmm. and I knew little about it because I was away and I, was, I went into it really clean and I really responded to it. I thought, wow, there's a filmmaker here. So I told my representatives I wanted to meet him. 
So it's really a, a relationship I cultivated. We got along very well, and we said, yes, let's absolutely do something together. Um, we talked about other projects, uh, but this is the first one that came through, and he, he presented it to me in a very direct way. He basically said, this is a script, read it, it's you and Rob Pattinson, mm -hmm. and uh, yes or no. And it was an instant yes, I imagine. It was pretty instant yes. <laughs> I mean, because clearly I was, I was interested in him. Mm -hmm. And then two-hander implied that, uh, you know, I'd have some stuff to do. Yeah. And then uh, beautiful language, yeah. uh, simple story, complex arc, mm -hmm. uh, interesting events, and... Uh, the location and how we were going to shoot it, shoot it um, all appealed to me. So. so your character then, Thomas Wake, what kind of an idea of this character did you have from reading the script and <laughs> what kind of person do you kind of, did you initially kind of think of him and how did that shape and how did that change during the process? Yeah, I don't want to be glib, but I never have ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have ideas for characters. Yeah. Um, you know, what I think about is my way to um, inhabit something or find a relationship to it so the relationship between me and the character sort of disappears. Um, so I don't know who Thomas Wake is. Even after I shoot a film, sometimes mm -hmm. I don't know who Thomas Wake is, but I know what happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I knew, you know, there's certain things that you just, uh, that are clear. Yeah. Uh, this elevated language. Uh, I knew I was going to need an accent. Yeah. He, uh, Rob's a, a freak for research. Yep. So he gave me a lot of pictures and things. So we had kind of a look in mind. Mm -hmm. I knew I had to grow a beard. I knew I wanted funky teeth. Yeah. If my teeth weren't funky enough, <laughs> but I knew I, I'd be wearing some fake teeth. Yeah. Um, there are certain indications in the story uh, about him having a limp. Mm -hmm. um, I knew I wanted to learn how to knit, <laughs> even though you only see me knit for about 20 seconds in the movie. I, that was one of the things that was a key to the character. Um, uh, things like that. Yeah. And then it's just really uh, getting into the music and the rhythm of that text. And then uh, making yourself available. Yeah. Uh, the costumes figure uh, large in it because they affect how you move mm -hmm. uh, and they affect your level of comfort sure. because we're shooting in really extreme conditions. Yeah, what was the shoot like? What was, the, what was it like being on... Was it how real locations, I imagine, for a lot of it? And yeah, I love working on locations because, it, you know, it tells you what to do. It informs yeah. everything. And if yeah. the more extreme, the more, uh, the more you're directed yeah. uh, by the situation and it has a sense of truth and it feels more organic. Yeah. Um, because you can trace very clearly where things come from and then sure. you leap off from that. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was ex extreme. I mean, I always get self-conscious because actors love to brag about how hard their job is. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was very extreme. Yeah. But that was one of the pleasure, pleasures of it. 
and also since it's basically a two-hander, mm. you're on set all the time, mm. which I love because then, then you get in kind of a rhythm and and you become like part of the crew. You become an extension. You see the film being made, and you become an extension of the director and. You get less concerned about yourself and think more about the the whole thing, mm. and particularly when it's a two-hander. I mean, I wasn't always there when Rob was shooting, but it's like you know, I become him, him, him he becomes me mm. a, a little bit in sense of just as far as goodwill and aspiration yeah, 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 and yeah, all yeah. that. So um, that's interesting. Okay. So as the film is two-hander, then. Um, can you talk about the process of working with uh, Robert Pattinson? So from like rehearsals to, mm-hmm. and to kind of finding that, finding the tone between the characters and how they would interact with each other, like both through the dialogue and through like, the, the physicality of how they interact with each other. Well, so, so much of it is actually written right. in the story. I mean, even, even the uh, breaking wind is written <laughs> yeah. in the story. It is. Right. And... Uh, you know, the the implication is the first time it happens, it's a kind of um, putting him in his place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my lighthouse, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, uh, well, you know, we're, we're two very different characters. Yeah. And I think you create a process and an approach that's, you know, serves your different characters. So mm. we were very different. Our process was as different as um, as our jobs, or right. as our characters, yeah. and we didn't talk much about things. We rehearsed uh, a little bit. Uh, famously, Rob did not like rehearsal right. because he prefers to perform when the camera's there yeah. because he's afraid that things will lose their spontaneity. I don't require rehearsal. I always like to you know, different approach for different movies, for different performances. But in this case, I appreciated rehearsal because the, the, uh, the language of mm. the camera is so specific. And in fact, we rehearsed, we blocked things out. The camera was set first. Mm. And then we would do the scene to right. the camera as opposed to normally you yeah, find yeah. out what the scene is and then you set the camera. So... That was good for me because uh, it, it focuses you and, and uh, you have to submit mm. to uh, the visual language, which is such a huge part yeah, of this. Absolutely. Um, but the differences were, were quite extreme. Uh, yeah. but, our, but our tasks and, our, and who we are in the, uh, the movie is quite mm-hmm. different. I mean, particularly in the beginning, yeah. you can't shut me up. I'm talking all the time. Yeah. He's very, um, you know, he, he doesn't say much at all. Yeah. He's mysterious. He's, uh, you know, you're with him doing tasks. Mm. He's not revealing who he is. I'm revealing too much, maybe. <laughs> and uh, for both of us, one place that we do meet is, one thing that's beautifully written about these characters is you don't know what's real yeah, and absolutely. what's a, a, a posture. Yeah, um, and of course, that all kind of gets dismantled as the play goes on. Yeah, sure. The play, I called it a play. <laughs> Curious thing, huh? Did it feel like a bit like a play at times because it's a two-hander? It's almost, uh, almost not, a chamber piece. Yes, in the, in the respect that it's two people really dealing yeah. with each other, but it's not a play at all no. because it's so steeped in, 
you know, film language yeah, and, yeah. and the sound score is incredible and yeah. the location and, uh, you know, there's no, play always implies, you know, a piece of literature. Mm. It's, it's, it's that and much more. Yeah. There was an interview. Do I sound like I'm selling something? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I reread an interview you did where you spoke about the Florida Project, and you spoke about that character as being, and that performance as being a very natural, and <laughs> how you, it made you feel very soulful playing someone who's very down to earth and very much a kind of feels like a real person. This performance, it feels more uh, operatic, more s- spectacle because you know it's accent it's it's the beard it's it's all the soliloquies he does what is it like as a performer going that big with the, this this kind of performance it's it's the same it's just yeah. a, it's a just a different instrument sort of um but your point of concentration is kind of the same mm. uh somehow the target's the same mm. you know you're trying to uh uh, deal with this other person. Yeah. You're trying to commit to these actions. You're. Uh, it's not that, not that different yeah. internally. Okay. It's just it's just the the language and the arsenal that you're using is different. Yeah, I think the tone of the film is really interesting, and the film as a genre film is interesting as well because I think a lot of people expect this film to be a full-on horror film. No, that's. That, I'm crazy uh, about getting that notion off right. the table. Okay. Because I think the, you know, horror films you're, you you associate with jump scares and yeah. all that kind of thing. Sure. And I think people will like this movie, but if they go, uh, knowing the nature of some people, you know, mm. if they go expecting one thing and it's not taking to the place that they've decided should take them, then they won't be receptive enough to see the beauty of what it is. They'll say, well, I liked it, but that wasn't a horror film. Well, forget it. It's not a horror film. It's a film. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But I think that's kind of irresistible because it's hard to... um, It's hard to identify what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's clearly a genre film with a very simple story mm. and uh, there's a there's a temptation to call it horror or something so people can relax and enjoy the uh the pushed yeah. the advanced the sophisticated uh uh visual language mm. and soundscape and things like that yeah anytime you get out of naturalism you know you're really you're really liberated to yeah. a place that um People are, are, are much more generous with themselves as audiences, yeah. but you get to get them to that place first. Mm. And uh, so that's why I think some people, for lack of better definition, <laughs> yeah. call it a horror film. But it's not a horror film yeah. in the sense of a uh, traditional way. Have you watched the film with, a, with an audience yet? Yes, I, I have. It's a really interesting audience film because yeah, you have you know, the big foghorn opening and it's very intense and dark. And then, as you mentioned, there's the breaking wind. And yeah. I think that immediately sends a signal out that this isn't the film that yes. you're expecting it was. Yes. I mean, there's lots of humor in this. Yeah. You know, Loads there's a whole black comedy yeah. part of it. Yeah. Because it's about, you know, people and the, their silly strategies for life and their beliefs and when they get dismantled. Mm. It's about identity. And, uh, you know, in a world now, you know, where everybody... It's kind of 
too much into themselves. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to see, and I think a lot of people yeah. will um, appreciate the humor. Yeah. So you mentioned, going back to what we said earlier, about um, you saw The Witch and you immediately wanted to reach out to Robert Eggers. Mm -hmm. What was it specifically about The Witch that made you think, A, this is an, you know, a great new talent on the scene, and B, I really want to be a part of what he does next? You know, I'm simple. Whenever I see a good movie, you know, if it makes sense, I say, hey, I want to be in that guy's <laughs> next movie, that guy or that gal's yeah. next movie, yeah. you know? Um, no, I cultivate that because that, there was something special about the touch of it. Mm. Um, it. Not unlike this, at least for me, you know, it's a simple uh, yarn on yeah. one level, but as cinema, it's very sophisticated mm. and it gives me a pleasure because it sends me places that only cinema can send me. Yeah. Um, so that's why I liked it. A simple example is, you know, he he's beautiful with this period detail. Yeah. It's not showy. It it kind of he makes the world without pointing at mm. it. It's like he he lives in it, he trusts it, he doesn't um show off. Mm. It's a very um you know, he makes he he owns that world. Mm. Rob. Uh yeah. Rob Eggers. And I think we created a world uh, for the lighthouse. He built those things. Mm. He found that land. All of them came from someplace, and uh, you felt that. You felt the the kind of history and the roots of everything we were doing without having to show it off. Mm. Who knows about how accurate those buttons were? Yeah. And it may seem like a kind of weird, you know, concede or indulgence to but you know what it does make a difference it yeah. does show up every once in a while Definitely. you know when you've got a light a period clay pipe yeah. from an ember there's probably better ways to do it but we did it the real way you know <laughs> yeah that that gives you an experience and gives you a little secret that yeah. you don't have unless you do it that way and maybe it's minor but after a while, those accumulate, mm. and you start to create a world. And, and you know, in movies, uh, world creation is sort of what it's yeah. about. It's not just story and narrative and literature. It's, it's about being, you know, that light on the screen takes you to a place that you've never been before. Mm. Great. William Defoe, thank you very much for your time. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Okay, we're delighted to welcome Robert Eggers to the Curzon Film Podcast. Hello. Hey. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure to be here. Um, so here, obviously, to talk about The Lighthouse. Um, so was this very much the first thing you tried, you tried to get off the ground after The Witch? Was this your first move? No. Um, I, um, I thought it might have been when I was making The Witch, mm -hmm. uh, but... Uh, but I was uh, trying to do some other larger um, studio films that were things that I wrote, but but mm -hmm. they were uh, much larger in scale. Um, but I thought it would be a good idea to have something smaller in my back pocket. So yeah. uh, my brother and I uh, wrote this um, uh, while, while I was working on other things as well. Um, and it was an idea that we had had... Um, 
during the third year of the witch not finding any <laughs> financing mm-hmm. um but we we wrote it um post witch okay and uh, and strangely of all the things the the smallest least commercial weirdest movie was the thing on my slate yeah. that got greenlit okay so when you first came up with the idea for the lighthouse did you approach it from the point of view of the story or the setting or the atmosphere what was my it? my brother had an idea a ghost story in a lighthouse yeah and and that conjured this black and white 35 millimeter crusty dusty rusty musty <laughs> world um and so i had the atmosphere and and the smells and the vibe and the basic imagery when he said that simple yeah. sentence and so then it was about getting into research to find a story that would match okay. uh the atmosphere i think people who don't like my movies uh would say clearly the problem is that he comes to the table with the atmosphere first <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the research you did then what kind of stuff did you were you looking for what stuff did you find that kind of shapes the film um I mean, I could I could write a long book. Uh, you, you know, um, early on we came across the story of uh, Small's Lighthouse in Wales or from earlier in the 19th century, with um, two lighthouse keepers, one older, one younger, both yep. named Thomas. And the fact that they were both named Thomas, I thought could could be good and could have this film be uh, a story about identity and and devolve into something obscure. And I wanted it to kind of just be a little bit of a a weirdy movie from the beginning um, for better and for worse. And, uh, but that like, this is a two hander um, that was, uh, that was helpful. And from there, um, we're just um, reading everything, reading reading as many lighthouse tales and mm-hmm. tales of the sea as we can as we can get our hands on. Uh, you, you know, researching what a period lighthouse station was like and uh, yeah. the, the 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 manual, the rules, regulations, um, uh, and uh, that 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 manual that that Rob reads in the movie was very helpful in Ooh. creating a lot of scenes and ideas for scenes and scenes that didn't make it into the movie or into the script. Um, you know, a photograph of uh, a period lighthouse station, as important as it is for creating the physical world when you're designing it, is Ooh. also helpful to the story because you look at that uh boathouse that's always on every lighthouse station with the long runners yeah. going out into the sea and you think well what what are we going to do with that yeah. um and uh and and when, you know with with my brother and I when we had a semblance of a story finally we kind of said all right well what myths or, uh, or fairy tales or folk tales this is most closely resemble that w- that we accidentally uh, reconjured uh, and uh, now let's go back and uh, to those myths and kind of uh, tease mm. those motifs out more heavily in 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 in, in the story that we're uh, writing but i mean i'm like a sea shanty a lumberjack song uh, um, a documentary about uh, 
storms, yeah. uh, a, a symbolist painting, uh, a Durer engraving of a sea monster. I mean, just everything. Everything. So in terms of the period detail, then, I understand you went quite deep with like everything, like props. And I spoke to Willem earlier, and he spoke about the pipe, the clay pipe that is an authentic kind of pipe that someone at that time would have had, like did you really sort of go out of your way to make everything be as authentic as possible? Yeah. I mean, it's just the way I like to do things. It doesn't, you know, I love Guillermo del Toro Mm -hmm. and we do things like completely differently. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, he's creating worlds like he, like his designers and himself like are no, like what is, period correct you know to you know i mean to what degree i don't know but 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 it doesn't really matter even if they knew everything they Mm. would just make choices that uh, to create a rich beautiful world to tell their story and that might even be better Mm. Uh, it might be better to say what is the perfect lapel for that character Mm. that expresses who he is but for me i like to just say that's the lapel that's on the uniform Mm. like we're done with it. We're moving on. And, but I also think for me, uh, with, with my movies, I like the world to be so credible that we can kind of go along with mermaids, uh, more easily. Again, you know, when the whole world is a fantasy, you can go along with it too. But, but, um, but this is, um, this is what, this is just, it's just what I'm interested in. And I like doing the research. It's fun for me. Mm -hmm. And, And the other thing is, all of my collaborators, we know what our bar is. It's a high bar and it's called accurate, which is impossible. You know, <laughs> like it's always our interpretation. And if you go to a museum, it's an interpretation. It's never like you, you can't know. And th- and people's understanding of the past is also always mm. changing and uh, and so on and so forth. But I, um, I just find it an, an enriching way to work, even though uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's yeah. just my my way. And going on from that then, something that you also did with The Witch is the dialogue is often very sort of archaic and of the time. Is that another barrier when you're writing the screenplay that you have, you're not only writing things that these characters would say, but also what they would say in this time? And is that like another barrier for you when you're writing? It's not a barrier. It's, uh, it's very helpful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. very, very difficult. Uh, uh, you know, um, to write in an, in in a half forgotten dialect, yeah. uh, but it's very satisfying as well. And uh, and it, again, like it's just another piece to to really create this y- unique atmosphere and unique world and unique characters. But I'm not saying it's good. I'm just Ooh. saying it's unique. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then the film is very much a two-hander with William Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Can you talk about the process of working with those guys, creating those characters, creating the kind of the tension between them, the physicality between them? Um, was it all done in rehearsal? Was it all done straight on set? What was the kind of process of creating that mood and tension between them? Well, they're great actors, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it wasn't difficult because they read the script, both of them, and they got it, and they both came in with uh, a million percent passion, mm. and, and they knew it was going to be tough, and they knew that the, 
location was going to be punishing, but you know, they yeah. signed up for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we, we, we did rehearsals, but they were not to, um, rehearse per se. It was basically just because the cinematic language of the film that I created with Jaron Blaschke, the photographer was planned before they got there. So mm. they needed to know their blocking in relation to the camera so that it could seem spontaneous and natural right. and not look like they were just meat puppets hitting marks on yeah. the, on the day. So they needed to come in, uh, knowing that stuff. Okay. And then I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but I've, there's some similarities in the film to the witch that kind of struck out to me, like this idea of people in the middle, almost in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by the sort of natural world and then things encroaching into them. And, but then we're like, the witch is very much about like femininity. This is more masculinity. Are those kind of, things that you've seen yourself like about this comparison yeah i mean i did like all the like i obviously see everything that you're saying it couldn't be it's clear as as day yeah Uh, i didn't go in with the intention of of doing that but clearly this is the like uh you know phallic (laughs) toxic masculinity like companion piece to the witch uh, fine, but that that just kind of happened. Mm. It wasn't like uh, m- my intention, and you know, part of the similarity is just that, like, I wanted to use another confined location to mm. keep it uh, control over everything. You know, we built every single building in the film, including right. the seventy-four working lighthouse tower. So I wanted to like have that control. So part of it is practical. Part of it is also. Um, most authors have a primal narrative. There's very few Shakespeare's who write different stories. Charles Dickens wrote one novel like over and over (laughs) and over again and a Christmas Carol as well, but mainly he had his thing and he did it. And so even if I'm, you know, have something with like a billion locations, I'm sure that you'll be able to find like plenty of similarities. Great. Robert Eggers, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any thoughts on The Lighthouse, please let us know by emailing podcast at curzon.com or shouting at us on Twitter, where we are at Curzon Cinemas. We're available every week on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we'll be taking an in-depth look at one of the most talked-about films of the past year, and maybe even the past decade, Parasite, where we'll be in conversation with Bong Joon-ho and his frequent collaborator, Tilda Swinton. See you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.